on this episode of the AIE podcast. AIE is getting together in real life. Wow tokens, get your wow tokens here. The state of AIEU. Crafting in Heaven's Ward. Bell is here to talk to us about board games. All that and coming up more right now on... Bringing you the latest news from the AIE gaming community from planet Earth and beyond. This is the AIE Podcast. Good evening and welcome to episode 230 of the podcast celebrating the Alia Octa Est gaming community. The die has been podcast. This is McCullough, and I'm making a mess in the guild kitchen. To my right is Tetsemi. Oh, I rolled a seven. Darn it. <laughs> oh, that's awful. A little is off digging in the dirt, but should return next show. This week, we're joined by our very special guest, Velazarius, who's here to talk to us about board games. Welcome, Vel, and thank you so much for coming and joining us tonight. Wow. It's great to be here. This is my second time on the show, so I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Now, just so people, um, you know, you're not one of our uh, game directors, which is normally who we have on, so why don't you just give the people a quick idea of who you are, what you do. I know you're a longstanding member of AIE, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what is it that makes you a specialist in this situation? Makes me a specialist in this situation? Oh, yes. well, I just like to... Well, I like to play board games, and I've been kind of involved in that so, since I was a little kid. Uh, stepped out of it for quite some time and then have gotten back into it in the last few years. So uh, just because of the interest and uh, there's so many interesting new games coming out and it's just something I like. I mean, I like the the video game aspect because I've been very involved in it, but I kind of bridge between the two worlds because I'm going to start showing my age here. I mean, I was playing some of the the video game consoles that came out was like Pong and stuff like that, Uh you know. And we thought it was really high-tech yeah. stuff. Oh, my gosh. It was cool, you know, like, oh, look at all this stuff. We can play it on our TV. And it was, you know, monochrome, no color or anything like mm-hmm. that. So I, um, I think we're all around the same age, approximately. So, yes, I do remember uh, sixth grade getting that amazing Atari machine. It was being, you mm-hmm, know, being mm-hmm. the cool kid on the block because I had Pac-Man and Frogger. Oh, there you go. I went, uh, I know a friend of mine had that, that system and we wound up getting the intelligent television, I believe was the one that we wound up getting. That was really, really cutting edge, I guess at the time. But uh, I guess my point was, is that, you know, kind of being in that, in that realm and and growing up playing a lot of board games and stuff like that. I I still think even with gaming, I I just actually enjoy that face-to-face human interaction and the actual touching of pieces and stuff like that. And you just don't really get that with a video game sometimes. I think that I, I need that fix. So Certainly. that's where it, where it kind of goes. And I've always enjoyed that. So I love to play games. I don't care what it is. So, But I have a, long, I have a strong passion for that as well. So that's kind of awesome. I, I mean, I know we're in a very special situation being a part of this community where we do have a lot more of the mm-hmm. person-to-person stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. But I know in general, that is one, I can say that is one of the things that turned me off initially about um, any MMORPGs was mm-hmm. because 
I didn't think there was a personal relationship. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a pen and paper, roll a D20 kind of girl. Mm-hmm. So. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Played a lot of that, that, that game as well. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know how that is. Right. So, um, Val, what have you been up to in game itself? I know we're, we're going to talk about board games later, and mm-hmm. I think we're actually going to start calling this show um, what number of DOA are we pulling out of Raid for this week? <laughs> uh, because last time we, exactly. we grabbed size. So. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I actually, that, I, run, I run with that team too, so DOA, so I'm, I'm skipping out on that tonight. So, uh but uh, no, I've, I've, uh, I'm pretty heavy into WoW. Uh, I've been in, I've been playing since right after uh, Wrath of Lich King came out, and uh, based on the actually my real profession, I'm actually a teacher. Actually, a couple oh, okay. of my a couple of my students actually got me involved in the game. I want to kill both of them now, but right? as I knew that was going to happen, of course they both you know left the game at, at this point. And um, I started playing. I think it was like right at winter break. Um, this kid sent me a, you right know, after, a, right. yeah, right after wrath had come out, I've only been on out maybe perhaps a month or something like that. Cause mm-hmm. I, I don't remember, I think it was it like came out in November, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was something like that. And so this was about mid December and he sent me one of those recruit a friend things. And I think I signed in on a Monday and I started playing and I think within a couple hours I like bought a subscription and I was already yeah. in. So I was over on another server there for, for a while. And then, uh, I started listening to some podcasts and stuff like that and, of course, started listening to The Instance. It's the gateway and, drug to all of us. Yes, it certainly is. And uh, that got me, you know, listening to Scott talking about AIE and everything. I, I think it was about a couple years ago I, I made a tune uh, over here. You know, interestingly enough, Aludra was the one that actually invited me in. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, anyway, uh, I liked it so much that I have since, I think, moved every tune I have over to uh, Earthen Ring now, so I've got them all over oh, there. Nice. And I, I, yeah, I dip a little bit in Star Trek Online too. So, and then I'm well, kind of a great community over there. Oh yeah, it, it is. And I'm unfortunately I just haven't been as active in that. But I mean, I got up, I got in that right as it kind of started. It right. seems to me so, or at least when they were starting to get the get the guild stuff going. But I, I'd like to get a little more active, and there's just not enough time, not enough hours yeah. in the day. You get you get wrapped up in so many things, so. But uh, yeah, anyway, so we're, you know, we're, I'm raiding and having fun and a bunch of great people that I hang out with. And I just, I love the community. It's uh, except for Zod. Let's, let's just say except for Zod. I know. Yeah. 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 Except for Zod. <laughs> yeah. So Ted, what have you been up to in or out of game? Um, Besides work, a lot of work. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, we did raid on Thursday, and we got um, Coreg down. And for a while, and said, "All right, we're tired of his ogre face, and we're going to go to Black Rock Foundry and pay a visit to Gruel and those folks." So, um, just that last fight, uh-huh. there's a lot of there's a lot of personal responsibility. There's a lot of it's a long fight. I mean, the Gary fight was long, but it, there was a rhythm to it, and it's just we haven't got that from Purator. It's 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 a rough fight. So we're going to go to BRF and see if we can get some more gear and um, mostly just to change the scenery because we were getting tired of yeah. the high mall. I think that Imperator fight. Um, once it's, I think it's going to be like Tectus. Once we get the hang of it. 
it's not going to be that difficult because right. honestly, I, I like that Texas fight now. Um, but it's, I think it's going to, we have to get to that point. Yeah, exactly. Um, other than that, I think I'm at 148 out of 300 for the last elemental tablet, which will get me the, um, the, the last part of the legendary ring and then unlock the quest to get the legendary follower. So um, I didn't, that was after four um, LFR runs this week. And then next week, if I get lucky, I should have it. If not, definitely the week after. Um, and just uh, doing a little bit of pet battle, just doing a little bit of the daily stuff in the garrison. Just really haven't had much time to dig in and, and find the next thing I want to focus on right. in there. So, what have you been up to in or out of game? Um, well, besides banging my head against a pirate Thursday night, um, last Sunday we unfortunately had. Well, the, the uh, attendance boss got us, especially with our healers. So instead, we decided to do LFR, and oh my god, was that a blast! Well, considering we had a majority of the the group in LFR, yeah, right. Oh my gosh, it was so much. It was so much fun. We did not. Um, I didn't do the second half because um, I had to prep food for the week and all that good stuff that I do on Sundays. Um, plus, it was our DM's birthday on Monday, so I had to make. Please don't kill my character cookies for him. Um, but <laughs> I could see, you know, the first wing we did was so much fun. And then watching it um, through your screen as well was a great time. So that's about the extent of what I've been doing in WoW. Um, I'm being a, WoW, a bad WoW player right now. I log in for raid. I log in about an hour beforehand and just do, you know, stuff around my garrison. But that's about it. Um, just, you know, real life and all that. But Yep. All right, so uh, we're going to be chat- we're going to be chatting more about board games with Vel in just a few. But first, let's go ahead and cover this week's news. AIE news. Meetups with the arrival of spring comes many a meetup. Head on over to the meetup.com site and sign up for any of the upcoming meetups that the AIE group has to offer. Don't see one in your area? No worries, you can plan one. Current meetups, current upcoming meetups are uh, Retro Video Arcade Night, April 4th, 7 p.m. at Neon Retro Arcade in Pasadena, California. That sounds fun. Uh, Raid on Chompy's Deli at April 8th at 6.30. And I think that's because who's going to be in town? Um, Arbuckle, who actually is one of our fabulous um, craft fair constant volunteers, is going to be in town. Right. And that's in Phoenix, Arizona. And the Central New Jersey Brew Pub Invasion, 5 p.m. April 18th at Harvest Moon Brewery and Cafe in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And I think Stig's heading that one up. And we also have two big events coming up. Nerdtacular, July 30th to August 1st in Snowbird, Utah. And the Guild Hall at BlizzCon, November 6th and 7th in Anaheim, California. And hey, there's one note I forgot to put in here, and I see him in the chat room, so I'm going to throw this in here. Congratulations to Mucow and his lovely wife, Jen, on the birth of their first child, Alexander, a.k.a. Xander, on March 17th, I believe. I think he's a St. Patrick's Day baby. 
All right. So, wow. I know, you know, you're tired of hearing it. We push the forums a lot, but there's a reason. There's some really great conversations happening out there, especially right now around play style, the state of the game, and of course, all the crapper details, including event gathering events, RP, coop, and more. So, guys, go to the forums. Um, speaking of the craft fair, uh, Takamikazuch, a.k.a. Larry, has asked for help with the, with the traditional craft fair fireworks. Um, here's what he had to post. Or I'm going to go ahead and just read his post to you. Hail to the Guild. In light of the upcoming fr- craft fair, it was suggested that the one-hour time slot between the end of the fair day one and gathering for goop, coop that evening, that a fire display should be put in order to rally the troops before we go and slash some alliance faces. Unfortunately, due to prior planned engagements on the 25th of April, I'm sadly unable to prepare the event. Now he is in a pinch. Um, Sock is requesting the assistance of fellow guildies to help with this. He needs a second in command to take his place and some volunteers to help set these off. We'll be using fireworks that are hand-launched, so no launchers are required. Just fire them straight out of the inventory. He has plenty of fireworks and can distribute them, but he needs people power, especially a second to take over on the 25th, since Tuck, a.k.a. Larry, will not be available. Anyone who'd like to volunteer, please either hit him up on the forums or by Twitter. His Twitter handle is Takamikazuch, A-I-E, and that's spelled out in the show notes. And big news in WoW, um, recently announced WoW Tokens is currently testing in the PTR and is slated for release sometime after March, the March 4th release of Patch 1, I'm sorry, 6.1.2, which was kind of the um, harbinger of that event. Um, the price at this point is reported to be 20 US dollars. Once purchased, a token can be then put up for sale in the region-wide auction ha- or region-wide exchange via a new game time tab in the auction house. Because a token exchange has to start somewhere, Blizzard will be setting the initial gold value of the WoW token. Um, they have not said what that value is going to be yet. Starting gold value in each region will be based on several factors, including region in-game economics, but ultimately the goal is to select a reasonable starting rate. After that, the uh, gold, the token's gold value will be determined dynamically based on uh, player supply and demand. Simply put, if more WoW tokens are being listed than are being purchased, the price will go downward over time. If people are purchasing tokens from the auction house faster than they're being put up for sale, the price will go up accordingly. All right. And in Star Wars The Old Republic, don't forget mandatory fun nights in Star Wars The Old Republic. Tuesdays at 8.50 p.m. Eastern Time. This week, they're planning on doing something on the Imperial side. Also, Growly Didge has shared some amazing progress pics from his Jedi costume and lightsaber from his work with the Rebel Legion Charity Costuming Organization. Just beautiful. Take a look at it on the forums. Also, speaking of Star Wars, the Escape Podcast number 83 is up. This week, AIE SEMA, Max the Gray, and Astromech EPC-83 talk about Game Update 3.2, which showed up in the most recent dev stream, in the forums, and on the PTS. They talk a little about Ziost, the costume designer, and a handful of other features we'll see at the end of April. And as always, they cover the news for the week from Star Wars in general and from AIE. Find the Escape Podcast at newoverlords.com. 
All right. And Eve, um, Hoots has posted some very important corporation top topics in his March 2015 announcements, including the 2015 corporate restructure, AIEU POS Empire, Fleet Up and Slack, and the future of AIE Eve. There's information on the reorg up on the wiki. So just a kind of a brief rundown. Um, AIEU POS, which is, by the way, not point of shoot everything, but player-owned Starbase Empire. So we have a player-owned Starbase Empire that is pretty much fully operational as of um, previously this month. It will get us a modest amount of money every month, and they're pretty happy that it's done. In order to manage the empire um, that Hoots slowly built since we invaded Catch, uh, Stu has... One second, I'm trying to translate here. Um, Stu is to place less of an emphasis on trucking duties and more of an emphasis on moon goo maintenance. I guess that's a thing in Eve. We need to check that out. It um, is. It basically, instead of being a moving company, they're going to focus on actually moving resources and building stuff. Okay, so that the moon goo is the resources, or is the moving of that exactly. resources. Awesome. All right, Fleet Up and Slack. Um, Fleet Up has some pretty amazing um, work going on. If you're playing Eve and you're not on FleetUp.com, make it a priority to get signed up. Uh, they'll be moving skill plans there shortly. As for Slack, get on Slack. It's a free app that you can get for your iOS communication device, a communication app. Um, it's where everyone talks to everyone else in AIU, and you're um, probably going to not be bored and know what's going on at all times if you get there. And as for the future, for AIU, the future holds some challenges. As an SOV corporation, the SOV change come June is going to require a great deal of planning and execution. It plays a really heavy emphasis on small groups and mobility, which is going to going to be ideal for what we can do. And to that end, I'll be keeping an eye on the changes. Or Hoots will be keeping an eye on the changes. And the immediate goals are to lock down the constellation that we'll live in from the outside intrusion. And in Final Fantasy XIV, with the upcoming June 23rd release of Heaven's Ward, they've announced specializing in the expansion from a recent Famitsu interview. <laughs> Excuse me. One of the new systems is the concept of specialist for crafter classes. Like before, it'll still be possible to develop all of the crafter classes without limit to level 60. After you finish training, you'll be able to choose a profession to qualify as a specialist, which may provide special action or special recipes. It will also be possible to choose multiple specializations. You'll be able to switch, but it will take some time. We want to narrow down people's focus so rather than wanting to do everything. They instead want to focus on really working on refining just one class. There's a forum post on it talking all about it uh, in the forums. And with that, let's get back to Vel and let's talk about board games. Woohoo! Okay, well, I don't even know where to—I don't even know where to begin here. <laughs> um, yeah, that I don't know how many. I'm sure we've got a lot of board gamers in there, and I'll, and I'll say why because I've been to some of the um, AIE events. Um, I've been to Nerdtacular three years, and I'm oh, going yeah. again this year. And then I—I've awesome. I've been to the last two BlizzCons, mm-hmm. and obviously people are playing stuff in there, so. I've had a chance to, you know, kind of interact with some people. So I know we got a lot of board gamers out there. 
Um, yeah, the, kinda, the board game room is is really. I mean, I think that even opens up before the convention. We had mm-hmm. people. It does. Yep, it sure does. Thursday sure in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it sure does. So I, I just remember, you know, coming in this summer um, uh, up to Nerd Tackle and walking up there. And this is how scary it's kind of getting for me. As as I looked at some of the tables, I was like, I played that. I played that. I played that. I played that. I played Jesus. That. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. You know, so it, it's a lot of common stuff that, that I, you know, that I commonly see. But, uh, yeah, th- this industry's just kind of kind of exploding at the moment, um, particularly if you look at, like, Kickstarter, for example. Um, you know, and there's some people that have some, you know, reservations about, the, about that, I guess. But I think it's get, getting a lot of games out into the, to the hands of players. Um, no you know, not all of them don't, not of them always work, of course, but, but a majority of them, if they're, if they're doing it right, um, uh, you know, they seem to be doing, uh, you know, a really good job getting that stuff out there. But it's just, there's just an explosion of it right now. Uh, of course, you're seeing a lot of gaming cons and stuff like that are popping up all over the place. A lot of people are familiar with like Gen Con, for example, uh, Origins. There's the one in Germany, which is Essen. And I think at the Essen one, which was in Germany, they introduced something like 800 new games or something. Oh, wow. That's right. just they came out during that 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 con. That's yeah. not counting the other stuff last right. year that they came out. So um, if you're interested in anything... Um, there's just about a game for anybody and every kind of possible thing you can possibly think about. And it kind of amazes me because there's a lot of, I guess I can kind of talk about some of the get different game mechanics that you kind of see, you know, that's the thing too, is there's a lot of jargon in here that you kind of got to get your head around. Cause you'll, you'll mm-hmm. listen to board gamers talking saying, well, you know, well I play this, uh, you know, push your luck game, or I, you know, I play this Ameritrash game, or I play a Euro, you know, a Euro, and you start hearing all this thing, what the right. hell are they talking about? Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's just trying to get in your head, you know, your head around that. So I, I try to get out there and try to, you know, educate people about those sorts of things. Um, yeah, what you should do is, uh, if you don't have is do a, do a small, like one minute segment and pick a term like that in your yeah, podcast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and start telling explain people. Explain it each week. Exactly. Right. So, but, uh, you know, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. And um, uh, just to kind of stay on the Kickstarter thing for, for a minute, um, I don't know if you've, you've heard of, and this just to give you some idea how nuts this is getting, um, there's a card game that just came out. Uh, it raised over $7 million. Holy crud. Yeah, yeah. And it was only $20, and the game was called right. Exploding Kittens. So, <laughs> oh, yes. my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I saw the... Uh, Emerald City Comic Con, they had a booth, mm-hmm. and the line for the booth, I saw the pictures, mm-hmm. was ridiculous. Right. And I think it's because of the comic that's kind of kind of drove that a little bit. But yeah. I, I looked at it, and I was like, I, I look at some positives from that. Great. Now maybe it gets some people like, oh, I'm going to get this. This is cool. I'm going to play this game. Maybe they'll try something else. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, I'll tell you, it's just like anything else. We want to pull more people. Uh, into the hobby we we want them to to play because you got to have people to play the games with so why not get more people involved in it so i'm all for you know bringing people in it's not really it's kind of an interesting community it's not so much that you know we're we don't want people around we want people to come in and play i mean that's kind of like essential for the whole thing to work Um, you have to So, but that one, it's very interesting. It, it, the game itself, I mean, they, I think they, you know, they made this like adult only version of it and everything like that. And of course, that was the milder one. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I looked at it and I was like, I don't know how fun that could maybe be. It, I will generally play just about anything. And I've, there's right. very few things I've tried that, 
I, I don't like. I mean, I may not, you know, say, well, that's something I'm going to add to my collection, but if somebody pulls it out, yeah, sure, I'll play it. You Give know, it a try, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to that. But I, I really wasn't that interested in this. And, and uh, anyway, my co-host on my podcast, she went on, a, they had a, a board gaming cruise here about a month, or it was in January, I believe. And she went out and Steve Jackson was on it, the guy that did oh, Munchkin. Yeah. We know him. And a whole bunch of other big game designers and stuff were on this boat. It was all they, all they did was play board games and everything. And fun. yeah, and I guess evidently some people brought some copies of this Exploding Kittens on there. And she and I trust her judgment a lot of times. She said it's really good, actually. So, That's but good. Uh, yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, none of them really, you know, hit that that level. But the other yeah. thing we're starting to see on the Kickstarter too is a lot of like bigger name. Um, Game companies now are starting to put put games up. They're like Cryptozoic just put up Ghostbusters. They have a right. Ghostbusters board game, which I thought was kind of an interesting move on their part because I thought the thing would have sold like crazy anyway. And of course, the right. thing they wanted, I don't know what it was. It was a pretty high amount. It was in a couple hundred thousand, I think. And it, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like close to over a half million or something that it funded for. So it was yeah, not like I, they weren't going to sell it. Right. I, th- I think they're using Kickstarter almost as a another avenue of market testing mm-hmm. instead of having mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. put resources into building the game and exactly. then go right. to play tested. They can mm-hmm. say, here's a concept. What do you guys think? You mm-hmm. know, and exactly. go from there. And Especially of course, since, because like, a lot of, at least from my perception, a lot of this explosion of board games has really kind of been expedited by the whole geek and sundry and all of that mm-hmm. yes. so people who are mm-hmm. interested in this are mm-hmm. a interested in, in original content mm-hmm. are very tech savvy mm-hmm. um geek savvy and they want to be you know as, as a community we want to be involved in what we're interested in absolutely so yeah i would much rather Make a gamble and say, okay, let me, you know, give 20 bucks to have a mm-hmm. chance to play this and get what I want made right. instead of say, hey, why isn't there a game like this mm-hmm. and wait for the big, the big wigs to you know, make one. Right, exactly. You know, it's really funny, too. A lot of the, the bigger game companies were very resistant to this at first, though. I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of them weren't doing it, but all of a sudden, I'd say since January, there's been a lot of them that have launched – you know, games on. And of course, what's interesting with them, because they've, they've got that thing going for them, is that you'll, you know, put in for the Kickstarter, and then like a month or two later, they've already got pretty much got the game done. They're just trying to cover some of their, you know, right. costs and things like that. The printing produ- costs, things yeah, like that. Yeah, production costs, it, t- it takes that off, and they've already got it covered at that point, and then bam, the game's right in your hands. And then, of course, a lot of times what they'll do, you know, hopefully if they follow through this, is that, you know, they'll give you exclusives. You know, you right. get oh, you get these extra expansion. You get this extra, you know, special figurines with your game that you can't get, you know, anywhere else. And I, I really do like them to stick to that kind of stuff because that's that's kind of a, a it should be kind of a reward, in my opinion, for you know for doing that. And then, but then you're getting some of them sometimes that don't do that. You know, they're like, oh well, uh, like for example, there was a game that we played today called uh, Neptune, and. Um, it's a kind of a uh, it's your Mediterranean sailors uh, mm-hmm. in the Mediterranean, and it's a card drafting kind of game where you have to draft um, sailing cards and a place to sail to and a good that that it's carrying 
Uh, it's mm-hmm. put out by Queen Games, a super fun little game, a really fun little game. But they were actually selling copies of the game before the Kickstarter had even finished. So, oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. So my, one of my the guys that runs my meetup group, you know, he hadn't played it yet. He backed it. And we got a chance to play it today for the first time, for at least for him. And that right. was kind of the comment he was making, you know, um, I'm not here to cause a bunch of controversy, but he was like, yeah, that kind of makes me mad, you know, that they're doing right. that. And then I'm ba- I'm, I'm kickstarting this game, but you're already selling it, you know? Right. So yeah. I think they got to be kind of careful of stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know, yeah, but it's, it's interesting. It, yeah. It, it's just watch their, their marketing. I, I think, you know, in this day and age, a lot of it is, you know, you're not waiting for the 50th, version of mm-hmm. monopoly mm-hmm. from right <laughs> you know right. they want they want you know new games and I, and i know the the euro games bringing over things like um oh my brain just escaped me the train game uh um ticket to ride ticket to ride mm-hmm. you know a, a lot of that stuff before you know if you went to board game conventions or things like that you would see a lot of those games but mm-hmm. now with the you know like your podcast tabletop that uh, is done by Will Wheaton and a lot of those you're starting to see a lot more of these games more mainstream so there's mm-hmm. a lot more opportunity mm-hmm. to to play these games and see the variety that's out there it's not like mm-hmm. okay go get the go get the copy of Monopoly or go get the copy of mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know Trivial Pursuit that right. sort of thing so well, exactly I can tell you a few years ago actually like two years ago maybe. Um, my mom was looking for some Christmas ideas for Tet mm-hmm. and she lives or she works in a college town. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well you have some game shops there. Just walk in and ask what's been on tabletop. They will mm-hmm. show you to the section. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think so like, Let's just like you're saying, you know, bringing the monopoly out and stuff like that. I think what yeah. we're what we're trying to do um, in this in this hobby, and I think it's pretty straight across the board. No matter, you know, any board game you talk to, we're trying to get people to try other things than that. And I'm not oh, necessarily yeah, exactly. saying that's a bad game, but just say, you guys oh. look at all this cool stuff. I mean, it and there's all kinds of neat stuff. Now, I tend to obviously gravitate more to sci-fi fantasy stuff, but right. With that in mind, there's a lot of other stuff that's not even close to that. Just because I like the the game mechanic and the the interaction or the humor that I involved right. with it, right. that 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 it doesn't really matter. You know, you right. you pull something out and throw it on the table. You know, I, I'm yeah. immediately going to have my you know my interest peaked. Um, you know, depending on what the length is, I, I think that's oh, yeah. You know, something we're starting to see. I mean. One of the things we're really starting to see, uh, you know, game-wise, what's really becoming popular now, I should start giving some examples of some of this stuff. Right. But I, and I, I'll get to that eventually because I, I do have a bunch of th- things I could recommend and games I could talk about. But, but it tends to see, be, be the games that are, that are really easy to teach somebody. Mm-hmm. And um, they're easy to set up, and you can get into it really quick, but they don't play – they play anywhere from – you know, 15 minutes, 35 minutes to 45 minutes. Right. There's mm-hmm. a huge um, plethora of these just hitting everywhere. But I'm tending to really like a lot of those. Now, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty balanced, so I like really heavy stuff. I like medium stuff. I like light stuff. It doesn't matter. Uh, right. But those are great because those pull more people in. Uh, they may not want to sit down and play something long, but 
I tend to like the ones that are even light sometimes, but they're easy to explain, but then they've got a lot to them. And right. the really good ones are, 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 I think, do a really good job with stuff like that. Um, I was going to say they're the, the blizzard of board games, and I don't mean that in a bad way, where it, where it's, like you said, it's easy to explain, but there's there's a lot of depth inside mm-hmm. it once you, mm-hmm. once you learn some of the nuances in the game. Right, right. And I, I think it's too, I mean, for some people it depends how much you're going to play it. Uh, for me too, I look for games that have that good replayability value. Uh, yes. Where you like you play it once, you know, and, and there's a few of them, you know, I, I could give some examples. I like playing them, but it's one of those ones where I don't like playing that game with somebody that's played it a bunch of times because they have like mid max. That's a advantage. Thing. Yeah, right. yeah. It just it doesn't make it very much fun because then they've and to me, I guess you could say whatever. To me, sometimes I think that's not very good game design right. when you can play it a few times and then somebody figures out oh some little trick. And then I'm always yeah. going to win with this. Now, not, don't get me wrong. There's a couple of my play that I've figured out what to do. But because of some of the stuff that happens in the game, it doesn't always work, work for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, fu- I'm totally fine with that. And, you know, and then that can, be really, that can be really discouraging, you know, when you bring somebody in new. Um, like I'll give you an example. Um, the game Dominion. Oh, we, uh, oh yeah. We've we played that. that. We actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, is a, it's a, a deck-building game and everything. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like it and stuff, but that's definitely one of those ones where if somebody's played it a lot um, and you get a new player coming in to play it. Like, I remember a friend of mine uh, that I go up to and hang out with in Portland a lot, uh, and I bring board games up with, with them because they love to play these. That was kind of his, his, his kind of a little irritated about that game in a way. He says, well, yeah, he goes, I want to play, but, you know, I came with these people who have played it a bunch of times, and he goes, they just crushed me because this guy – you know, just did this one thing every time. So, you know, that that's not fun for people. I think the that? other one I'm thinking of, too, no. that's kind of like that, that's a, um, a cooperative game is Pandemic, um, which okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Yes. yes. I have not yep. played it, but I know I've played a similar yeah. game on, uh, like, an app on the way home from right. Nertacular. Yes. Um, <laughs> played. Yeah. I mean, played it, incorporated, right? Yeah, it's really similar. But, but it's a co-op game where, you know, everybody – um, you, it's a map of the world. And there's some of this virus that's broken out and you, it's kind of neat. You all have to work together to try to, to crush this thing. And it keeps spreading, you know, every turn and like everybody gets like, uh, you randomly draw these special ability characters that you can play, but you all working together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that game's really fun. I think if you play with a lot of people that haven't played it, but if you play with a couple people that have played it, that game, I like it, but in, in that situation, what winds up happening, we use the term alpha gamer, which means mm-hmm. you yes. kind of take control of things, and they'll like tell yeah. her, well, you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and then it's kind of not really that fun. They put it's out like, some new stuff. Why am I playing this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they put out some new versions, and there's been some expansion stuff like that now that, that have kind of corrected that a little bit. Um, one of the newer ones that just came out really, really recently that's supposed to be really good, and I haven't had a chance to try it. I've seen it. Um, so a guy in my game group has it, but it's XCOM, which is based off the computer okay. game. So if you're okay. familiar with that, uh, this is a co-op one. It's very difficult. Uh, but what I like about this one, and this is an- another thing you're starting to see, is you're starting to see a bridge between a board game and apps. This one actually runs with an app. You have to have the app. Uh, to run with. It's obviously free to get it when you know when you, if you download the game, but you can't really play it without it. But it's got mm-hmm. a great tutorial in it that actually walks you through how to play. But
but it's really hectic because it puts you on a timer. So when it gets to My. that particular person's turn, um, I don't know if, how familiar, like, you know, the basic premise in XCOM, you got all these aliens come in and they're attacking the earth and you're trying to stop it. Mm-hmm. Right. So everybody's got a different role. Like one guy's in charge of the military, you know, one guy's the commander or, you know, and so on. One, one guy's charge of research. So when it gets to their turn, what the app does is it puts them on a timer and they have a very, very limited amount of time in order for her to make a decision. Then this alarm thing goes off and then they're, they're done. So they don't get to collaborate a lot, you know, in the game. But I think, it, I think that's really cool. And it kind of takes that aspect away from it. But uh, a lot of people I'm hearing say that it's a really hard game to beat. But I don't mm-hmm. really mind that in a cooperative game. I mean, if you're having fun right, and, you know, yeah. you're having a good time, I don't like it when it's too easy. Actually, I, I like that challenge. I, I think as yeah. gamers, you know, psychologically, we kind of like to lose a little bit. In some ways, yeah. I suppose. I know we don't enjoy it, but I think there, there's some there's some psychology in that, you know, video games, and I think it fits in board games. So when they when they do this, oh yeah, I mean, if you it. if you know you can always win, then why are you playing? Exactly, exactly. exactly. You know, otherwise there's not a chance of risk. I know one of the, the co-op games that uh, we enjoy. We haven't played it in a while just because we haven't had enough people over. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Shadows Over Camelot. Oh right, right, right. Oh, that's a right. great one. That's a great yeah, one. Yeah, because the, the, the twist on that one is you're all knights of the round table trying to, mm-hmm. you know, resolve the situation, except one of you can be the, the black traitor. knight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and you basically have to, you know, hide the fact that you're the black knight and still try and make everyone else successful until you can get to the point where you can win. So mm-hmm. I, I like that aspect of it. Right, right, right. Exactly. So, you know, and that, that kind of makes me think of, uh, I'm trying to think of the other, um, the other, uh, there's another co-op that, that kind of made me think of it. Oh, there's Battlestar Galactica one that's like that as well. Yes. A co-op mm-hmm. one of that. And that one's really hard too, but that one's got some interesting things because it can be totally random. You can have one of the players or a couple of players be Cylons. That's oh, a rather meaty right. game though. You've got to have a little bit of time to play that one. Kind of like the start, the Firefly game where it takes mm-hmm. a while to set mm-hmm. up and play. Exactly, and- exactly. You know, and there's stuff like that. So, um, you know, kind of digressing to where I kind of started in some of this stuff. I started playing um, the old. Uh, they're obviously out of print games now, but SBI. Uh, what was it? Yes. Uh, Simulations Publications Incorporated is what it stood yeah. for, and I still have a bunch of those. So they they made a lot of all kinds of theme stuff. A lot of them were like, you know, war games where you're playing on this um, hexagon map, you know, mm-hmm. tons yep. of tables, lots of dice rolling, lots of paperwork, tracking involvement, you know, and then all these little cardboard chits, right. you know, in yeah, some exactly. of these games, thousands the, of them. Eight and a half by 11 boxes that looked really nice on your bookcase, but you didn't ever take it down. Yep, exactly. Too many pieces. Exactly. And I, I've got a couple of those in there. So, I mean, this is kind of where I started and then got some of the little micro games um, there's a couple of them in particular that, that are still in print that uh, I'd recommend that are really fun. I've talked about them on my podcast, but uh, they're, Steve Jackson, I think, originally designed these. One of them is called Wizards, uh-huh. and it's a cool little – it's an arena-style thing. You create a wizard. You have, like, three different statistics. I think it's dexterity, strength, and intelligence. And you get, you know, depending – you get to play different races, and you get to pick a few little things, and then you have a spell book you get to pick from. And then you step out on this arena, and it's it's a movement rolling dice thing, and you just try to you know gank each other. It's super fun. Mm-hmm. And then there's a melee yeah. version of that too, which is just with um, 
you know, you're just playing with, you know, weapons and stuff like that. But the, both of the games are, you know, very compatible. So I always tended to like those a little bit more because they were they were a little in consideration of what we used to play. were a lot bigger than that. You know, a lot less time to, you know, to kind of get into them. But I have a lot of those. And a lot of them now are not really like that. And they do have, they have a lot of war game stuff like now, but they've totally changed you know, way that a lot of them work now. So they mm-hmm. put new game systems in and stuff. And I'm kind of getting involved in a few of those. Uh, and they're they're pretty interesting. But yeah, it's just like, who has time to set up? And I'll just tell this really quick story. Right. So I have this game. It's um, it's called Bloody April. Mm-hmm. It is oh, the I battle. Of, yeah, it's the blood. It's the Battle of Shiloh, which is one of the, it was in 1860 oh, okay. in the Civil War. Right. But it's on a, a regimental level. So each one of the little oh I know wait wow wait till, I'm, this, this is a mild one compared to some of them and so each one of the little counter pieces is anywhere from 100 to 800 men and you keep track of ammunition fatigue all this crazy stuff you got commanders I mean there are literally thousands of pieces in this game so this game right. I think they say the play time is anywhere from 28 hours to 78 hours straight right wow you know, play time. Room yeah. with the table set up. Yeah, no yeah exactly. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not uh, trying to wow. encourage people that these are the things that, that I'm really into now. But anyway, I remember this friend of mine and I, in high school, we set this up because I had bought it. And him and I were the only ones who could sit down and actually play one of these things. And we just got the thing set up. It took about two or three hours to set, the, set up the map. And got everything up. And I remember I had it set up in my bedroom. And my phone rang. You know, the old cell phones now. Right. Reached right. over. With the cord. Grabbed it. Put the cord. Grabbed it, dropped the phone on the map. Down. Oh, I dropped the phone <laughs> on the map and scattered the counters everywhere. Everything. Uh, oh my gosh! And we're like, yeah. we're done. But yeah, then, exactly. <laughs> years later, when we after we graduated from college, we actually set it up in his bedroom at his place, and it took us a month and a half to finish the thing. I went over every Saturday for like a month and a half to play this, and finally finished it. But you know, that's what I'm saying. And, and to and to be honest with you, that is not the worst one. There's one no. that SBI made. It is the Battle for North Africa. Yes. And I kid you not, is the most complicated game they ever made. They actually said this is like an historical simulation. It's like a history lesson, if anything. Right. It's, it's, it's the entire campaign in North Africa, 1,500 hours to finish the game. Yeah. Oh, it's my ridiculous. gosh. Yeah. You, 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 you'd have to be a you know, sick in the head to want to play a right. game like that. So, and, and I think that's, um, I think a lot of those SPI games mm-hmm. were built because we don't have the, the computer bandwidth mm-hmm. or the, the ability right. to, to do this as a simulation. So we're going to mm-hmm. do our best to do it. Right. You know, in, right. In the, in, with with tokens and everything, mm-hmm. now that you can simulate that on the game mm-hmm. or in the the game, um, I know like one of the the games that started out as a board game, but now there's a video is um, total uh, like Rome Total War and those those right 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 very exactly. similar to yep. the SPI games, mm-hmm. but now you don't have to worry about losing exactly. the tokens mm-hmm. or having to have somebody over because you can play by mail mm-hmm. those games. And I right. remember. Um, one summer, I forget what SPI game it was, but I had a friend that was back in Iowa, and mm-hmm. we would say, okay, this is my turn, and we would mail each other back and forth the turns, and we each had a copy of the game, and then we'd keep track of what, you know, what they were doing on the, on the board. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just saying, for, you know, 
just to kind of finish maybe up that that part of it, those type of games, I think I would much more enjoy playing them on a computer now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, much easier, yeah. Yeah, it's just, th- those don't, I, don't, I don't enjoy. I, I mean, like I said, I only have one friend of mine that I know that has the patience, him and I, to sit down and do that. But, you know, how often we're going to be able to do that. It's, you know, he lives, he doesn't even live where I live anymore. So it's not something that's right. plausible to do. You know, yeah. so. and and there's something also about those war games. Um, you know, not to not to take it back to the, the mass produced games necessarily, but mm-hmm. sitting down with Risk mm-hmm. and having three or four people over to play Risk. There's just yep that mm-hmm. game and Uno. If you mm-hmm. want to ruin friendships, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you always hear that. We still use memes from mm-hmm. Uno games twenty years mm-hmm. ago. Memes that we really can't repeat in front of our children right right but right. yeah, <laughs> yeah same, exactly. th- same thing with same thing with the risk there were nights that say for whatever reason we didn't have everyone show up for D D. so there'd mm-hmm. be three or four of us playing risk and mm-hmm. yeah it would be right. two hours of taking over the world with your friends or mm-hmm. taking the world over from your friends right exactly Exactly, and I think that's the big that's the big draw of board games now is everything is online. But there's mm-hmm. something about getting together mm-hmm. with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. It's at a, um, you said what? There are gaming cafes now that you yeah. you're starting mm-hmm. to see. Yeah, we're yes, exactly. That. Yeah, those those are great. And then like, we were talking about that pre-show, so I could get a little synopsis. Lazar, I mean, you're not you're starting to see them pop up all over the place, but basically, it's just a cafe where you know they sell food and stuff like that but then they have a huge selection of games that you can you can uh, pick up and play and that the people that work there can actually teach you how to play it and then you mm-hmm. get some of the fancier ones they actually even sell them there and then you can rent out rooms and then they do other things you know with that stuff but they're trying to get people involved in the hobby so maybe it's less intimidating than walking into a game store because you actually walk in here and that's what they're encouraging you to do here try this you know or you know, hey, we've heard about this game. Do you have it? And you're going, oh, yeah. Well, can you teach us how to play it? Yeah, absolutely. So I right. think it's an awesome concept. And you're starting to see a lot of them pop up, and I think it's an awesome idea. And it's I think great, you're going yeah. to start seeing a lot more of them. You know, coming up. Then it's going to be, of course, you've got to get in the right location and all that kind of stuff as well, so you're getting enough traffic to get people in there. But Right. And, you know, a certain area where you have mm-hmm. a high percentage of, you know, people that are willing to try that out. Like, you know, geekies, mm-hmm. you know, geeks, you know, college right. areas, right. more, a little less um, suburban areas, more urban. Right. Exactly. Um, so the question for you, Val, what do you mm-hmm. see, you know, I, I know we talked about, you know, the cold Kickstarter and everything like that. Mm-hmm. What type of games are you seeing, like, trending for the next year or so that you're going to see more of in general boy you know i think that's so it's so hard to say i don't know if you we weren't trying to put that necessarily into a theme or yeah what's coming up what do you see uh there is they're they're going crazy i don't know if i can really even pin down what's happening there's there's such an explosion um they're going into to all types of interests I think to grab people. So you're, you're seeing stuff themed off of comic books, um, you know, sci-fi Huge shows, right now again. Mm-hmm. fantasy shows, um, whatever, you know, pop culture things. Um, you're getting some really interesting, weird stuff sometimes too. Like what was one of them I was hearing about the other day? Uh, something about where it's like a, this one's kind of odd where you're trying to, um, because the game's not out yet, but I'm just saying that some of the, just to show you some extreme, it's something about 
you're trying to secure plots for your relatives as they're going to die and put them in the best plot or something like this. Oh, oh my, okay. This is kind of odd, but that yeah. is what I'm saying. It, I, I guess my point is it, it's going, it, it kind of goes all over the place. But mm-hmm. also to answer your question, McCall, I think the other thing I'm starting to see is that like I, these, like I mentioned earlier, it's these um, really quick, portable, um, easy to teach fast to play that have some meat to them are the things mm-hmm. that I'm really starting to see a trend for. Um, because, because the advantage is, is you, you're getting people that they're getting together. They're, they want to play something and you're like, well, what do you want to sit down and break out this game um, that takes, you know, three or four hours, but I've only got maybe an hour, an hour and a half. And now I can maybe play two or three games instead of playing just one. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. You know, so it's, it's if a, you do dinner yeah. party or something like that, mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, let's exactly. try these three. And and I think I think that's really where a lot of things are going because, you know, you're looking on a lot of the boxes now, and if people aren't looking when they're going to buy board games, um, the good ones, and I think most of them are doing that. If you look on the box, what they usually do is they've usually got some symbol in there that tells you how many people it plays. Right. And then it will also give like you know the age range. And then they right. also will give you the amount of time that it, that it takes to play yes. the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you got to be really careful when you read that because sometimes it may say 30 minutes per player. Right. Oh, then wow. you gotta do, then you've got to do okay. some math because if you've got yeah. five, that's gonna a lot You're going to be there for time. a while. Yeah, you're going to be there for a while. So if you just see the ones that have the straight time on them, then you've got a pretty good idea that it's going to fall in that range. Now, you got to keep in mind if you're playing it the first time or – Nobody's familiar. It's probably going to take long on that because you got to go through the oh, rules, or you know, if somebody hasn't read it or whatever. But I, I think you're you're going to start seeing some more of that. I think Kickstarter's still huge. I think you're you're starting to see um, you're really starting to see a lot of like I was mentioning, bigger game companies now, Cryptozoic Queen Games. Um, there's a couple other ones that said they never would do it um, that are starting to throw throw games up on Kickstarter. So I, I think you're going to start mm-hmm. seeing more of that sort of thing. Um, you're going to get this huge gamut, you know, I think of everything. I think they're trying to pull things. And I think a lot of people, you're going to start seeing a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon, I guess, to get in. I I think the one big trend I'm starting to see is it's really starting to move into a mainstream sort of thing. Like this is a really cool thing to do, you know, is to play games. Look at all these great stuff that, that there is. And I'm telling you, there's some awesome party games, um, awesome themed, you know, whatever, there's something for everybody. And just don't think it's, it's necessarily regulated to board games because mm-hmm. when, I, when I talk about this, this can include dice games. This can include board games. This right. can include yeah. card games, you know, card games and... or combinations of all of those. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And I have a lot of these little portable ones. I think you're starting to see a lot of those too. They're, like, they're in a little box. You know, they have a, cup, you know, a little deck of cards, a couple of dice, a real small rule book, yeah. and you just exactly. throw it on the table and go. Um, you're starting to see a lot of and the other thing you're really starting to see too is a couple of the bigger game companies and this has already happened have bought up a bunch of the smaller ones they haven't really they're not doing anything to them but they're actually grabbing them to actually help with their distribution so one of the okay yeah so one of the big ones is asmodee um and if you're familiar i'll mention a couple of their games uh in fact i can plug a couple of games right here one of them is seven wonders Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, okay, Carl Seven Wonders. Yeah, so I don't know if people are familiar with it. It's a drafting game with cards. It's everybody gets like a civilization. It's really interesting where you're trying to build these. It goes through three phases, and you 
you have a hand of cards, yep. you pick a card and you pass it one direction, one turn, and then it goes back the other way the next turn. And you're trying yeah, to build these a, different things and score points. It's a really cool, clever little game, though. Very easy to teach. Um, people pick it up pretty quickly. If you start adding expansions in, it totally changes it. Another one of their games is one of my favorites that I'd recommend as a starter game is a game called Splendor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, one of the number one games last year. Uh, it's a, uh, a gem-collecting game. Um, okay. It's a, two to four players, super easy to teach, but this is one of those games with a lot of meat to it. So essentially what you do is there's all these different gems and you're collecting them. And you're using the gems to collect these cards that are out on the table. Um, and then once you collect the cards, those cards act as gems too. And then you can use those to further buy the cards. And then the, some of the cards have points on them and you're trying to collect 15 points. may not oh, sound nice. like much, but it's super fun because on your turn, you can either grab gems or you can buy one of these cards. You can't do both. Right. Uh, but so it's an some awesome strategy involved. Yeah, and it, the board sets up different every time because there's three different sets of cards, and then there's these characters that, that come into play with it as well. But anyway, Asmodee is one of those ones. That's an awesome game, by the way. I'd, I'd highly recommend. That's a great family game. It's a great intro game. Um, actually, one of my favorites. So you see it's not even themed about anything sci-fi or anything, right. which is what I tend to do, but I love that game. Um, yeah, and I have a hard time. Uh, yeah. We we played Seven Wonders, I think, up Nerdtacular last year with mm-hmm. Ralph. I think he was teaching one. the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, question for you, since we're nearing the top of the hour. Mm-hmm. And probably an unfair question, but Cards Against Humanity has exploded as a mm-hmm. you know right. as a as a popular game mm-hmm. in the know. Do you see another game like not in that style, but another game that's going to be the next that Cards is- Against Humanity? That influential and widespread? Well, I, you know, I don't know about that. In fact, we played one on Friday night called, uh, it's just called, terrible, it's called Stab the Panda. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Stab no. the Panda. And it's, it's a kind, of a, kind of a similar similar thing. So what you essentially do in that is you get these four really awful cards, and you have to rate them like, no way would I do this, or, I, yeah, I really wouldn't do it. And then maybe or yes. And so it's kind of like that. I I don't know if that one has the potential to do that. Um, You know, I don't know. I haven't seen anything coming out that really maybe knocked that thing off its pedestal. I mean, I guess the only thing with the Cards Against Humanity, I I like it. Don't get me wrong. But that's one of those ones, after you've played it for a while, unless you start throwing more expansion stuff into it. Yeah, exactly. um, It's all that. It, it, yeah. it, 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 you get you get all the stuff and it just kind of loses the appeal. But it, I mean, I, I I see the the funniness in it, you know, the humor in it, and, and all those kinds of things. It, it loses the shock play. value over time. Yeah, it, right. It, it certainly exactly. does. So. It's, it's a one it's a one note trick, but it's right. it's popular. You know, you play it, everyone has fun. You're mm-hmm. playing it too. What two in the morning? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. That's one of those ones. Yeah, certainly. That, that was Munchkin, dear. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was Munchkin in the hallway of Nerdtacular <laughs> and me just saying, hey, guys, just let me win because we should go to bed now. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's why you gotta, you got to play the shorter games or whatever. So. It, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I could just, just interject something again here real quick. So kind of going back to that asthma day okay. thing. Anyway, they bought up this company called Fantasy Flight who has launched their more sci-fi kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. they've launched a whole bunch of those kinds of things. So um, – They've got a game called Imperial Assault that just came out. It's a mm-hmm. Star Wars game. 
Um, oh, so, okay. oh, it's awesome with miniatures. It's it's a meaty, pricey game though. It's about a hundred bucks, but it's awesome. Oh so wow! Okay. One player controls the Imperials. He's kind of like, it's kind of like a dungeon crawl. So they're like the dungeon master, but they play the Imperials. So they have all these Imperial troops that they control, mm-hmm. and then the other players play the rebels. And then what it does is you set up. It's got all these modular boards. It has like, I think, thirty six different scenarios you can play, and you set up these different things. And then it's got offshoot ones, and so then they have to get in there. The imperial imperial guy that's running it reads some flavor text to him, and they have to kind of figure out what's going on. But they move mm-hmm. these miniatures around, and there's all this dice rolling and cards and special abilities. Totally awesome game. Complete. Um, I mean, it sounds like it's definitely a combo of a variety of genres, though, when it comes mm-hmm. to yes, the dungeon is. crawl, the card game, mm-hmm. the dice game. Right, right. And then the, the, wow, that's, that's another great. one too. Like if you like D and D, the other mm-hmm. one of the other big ones that's been really big is is, is the. Um, the Dice Masters games. I don't know if you've heard about those. Oh, no. But anyway, they. I'll just tell you real quickly. They've released four different ones now. There's The first one was uh, uh, Avengers versus X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they released just an X-Men version. And then there's a Yu-Gi-Oh! one. And so basically what it is, it's, it's kind of like magic where you get to play against somebody else. You have like 20 health, but you have dice and cards. And it's got all these oh, neat wow, mechanics okay. where you get to play different. You have dice that goes in a bag. You get to pull some out, roll them do different things with them. Uh, you have all, obviously all these her- hero characters that you can play with, but then you can mix and match all this stuff. All of these games are actually compatible. Well, they came out with a oh, new okay. one. It's called, uh, it's D&D Dice Masters now, and it is oh, called okay. The Battle for Faerun. And okay. so this one, it's the same thing, but you have like monsters, beholders, mummies, all this kind of stuff with the dice. But all okay. four of these games are you can cross compatible them so you can have Avengers fighting mummies and oh, all no. this oh, wow. goofy stuff. So those are really cool. Tiamat destroying Cyclops. Yeah, that might just be my personal fantasy. Sorry. you could you could actually do that in this game. I mean, I've seen that 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 thing there. But then it's also got a collectible aspect because you buy the base game. You get a certain amount of characters, a certain amount of dice, and then they sell these expansion pack things where you get. There's rare cards. You get two dice and a couple of cards, and you can add that to your collection. Then you can mix and match this stuff together. So it's a huge, complex thing, but it's really cool. So Very cool. Great. Well, I think we're pretty much at our hour, so well, thank you yep. so oh, much. Yeah, sure. I mean, I could keep going, going gonna, but I don't want to. I know. We're probably going to have to have, have you, and when, when your co-host can make it on for part two, uh, oh, yeah. probably I, later this year, because I don't even want to have you on forever to discuss this. Yeah. yeah. Because oh, you're I'd love geeked. to come back. Yeah, oh, I'd love to come game. back and start throwing some more stuff out there. And like, if anybody's got, you know, questions or about, you know, good suggestions or whatever, like what's a good game for this or whatever, I mean, you can certainly drop me a line. I'd be happy to make some recommendations. You know what we should do is maybe we should do a uh, not. I'm not trying to steal Azeroth roundtables roundtable, but get um, get Vel, get Hunts the Wind, and get oh yeah, you on. and Mew, yes, oh, yeah. absolutely, it'd be great. Oh yeah, just we'll talk about that. We'll throw that around. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> so, Ted, what was our question of the week last week? Our question of the week last week was what MMO, current or retired, has the best crafting system? Uh, and we got a few responses. Um, John Gardner's Lothmagal said, they all seem limited to me, but I also want my single character to be able to do every profession there is. Uh, Shadow Vandark said, if anyone is curious, uh, oh, I mentioned uh, the Star Wars Galaxies mm-hmm. before they rebooted it. Um 
And Shadow Vendark said, if anyone's curious about that system, Star Wars Galaxies uh, pre-CU is still up kicking over at SWGEMU. Uh, and there's a, there's a Twitter account and a link to the website there. And then Rado Zotto said, uh, the system in Star Trek Online and Neverwinter. It's what Garrison is modeled based on. Uh, it makes officers and hirelings make the items. Sweet. And, and we have a new question of the week. Uh, we like to theme it after the guest we have on. What is your favorite board game? And that can include board game, card game, dice game, etc. So we're looking forward to hearing what your answers are to what your favorite board game is. All right, so we, that's our show for tonight. Um, while the chat room begins suggesting titles, I want to thank Velzaria so much for joining us. And where can everyone find you? Okay, well, I've got a couple of them. I've got my uh, AIE Twitter. Well, I should have reversed this anyway, but it's, it's Vel at Velazarius underscore AIE. Mm-hmm. And then my podcast has a, uh, has a Twitter account too. It's BGB podcast underscore game. And then we've also got on my uh, webpage too, which is bgbpodcast.com. And then we try to, I have, we try to put out at least one or two of those episodes a month. Right. Uh, try to awesome. let people know what's going on with that. So we talk about board games and beer or spicy water or whatever you want to call it. Right. Right. <laughs> In your robe. Yeah, exactly. Yes, the, the old Coltrane spicy water trick. Yes, Exactly. Right, exactly. And how many episodes are you in if someone wants to listen and catch up? Uh, I've I've got nineteen up. I'm almost uh, coming up. This uh, coming up in April will be my. I'll be. I've been doing it for a year now. So huge, congrats! That's great. Yeah. yeah. So it's really fun. So, but uh, I got. I'll throw a real quick shout out. I'll tell you this thing when it happens. Zod was really a big, big help with this. I mean, he kind of gave me the idea for what I was doing because I kind of based it on my own, my own meetup group and that mm-hmm. kind of revolves around that, what we're doing with it, but it's kind of evolved into a bunch of other things too. So he Yay! came up with the idea. So awesome. it really wasn't me. He helped me a lot getting that thing going. So it wouldn't have happened without his help. He is an enabler. I'll tell you that. Yep. He yeah. sure is. <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter. The show is at AIE podcast. Aludra is at Aludra underscore AIE. McCullough is at Cyberwave. And Tatsemi is at Ivory Tiger. We record live with video every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. You can join the chat room and play along with us on our website, theaiepodcast.com. Our theme was composed by the amazing Andrew Allen. Follow him at Keys with Soul or visit his website, keyswithsoul.com. All right, and it's now to play all the great AIE segments we received this week, including Mask Miss Mulgra, wow, Ask Miss Mulgra, and Mega Minute. And we will be taking next week off for Easter, but should be returning on April 12th. So until then, AIE, this is Makala. This is Tetsemi. And this has been the AIE Podcast. And welcome to Ask Miss Mulgra, your source on matters of etiquette in Azeroth. Today's question is, is it true that I can hire Blackhand as a DJ to spin the roles for the next dance party at my garrison? By now, 
You will all have heard the advertisements for getting your own garrison jukebox. And I suppose you think that playing your own music will turn your little home away from home into Boogie Nightapalooza. Let me assure you, nothing good will come from giving copies of the Supreme Manual of Dance to all your followers. Now, I know there are rumors that Black Hand has a secret music collection. And yes, he wears one black glove, and shoulder pads, and has some sweet signature moves. But that is where the silliness ends. Hiring Black Hand to DJ your dance party would not be cool. It would be hot. Very hot. Hot like a crucible hot. Besides, have you ever seen a male orc dance? I am Miss Mogra, and that is my advice. Akamagosh! Follow at Miss Mogra on Twitter, or listen to previous episodes at MissMogra.com. Welcome back to another Mega Minute with Mega Code, a mini cast on all things Holy Paladin. This week I gave a brief rundown on the Operator Thogar encounter from the Black Rock Foundry Raid. We used two tanks, five healers, and a mix of ranged and melee DPS. This is sort of a two-phase fight where you deal with one boss, multiple adds, and their abilities. On top of all that, you're fighting on top of four train tracks with trains rushing through intermittently on any one of the four tracks during phase one. Then for phase two, also known as split phase, you deal with the boss and adds while the team is split up by the train's blocking line of sight from being parked on the two middle tracks. So it's very important to stay focused as heels to heal folks up while dodging the trains or else you get one-shotted and people start to die. Thogar Assist is a simple-to-use add-on for helping you to deal with the train mechanic. So I like to keep beacons on both tanks while rotating three holy power tunnel flames onto them as well. Until the split phase, I don't find tank damage to be all that crazy, so I focus healing the raid via holy lights and holy shocks. If the tank needs a quick heal, flash of light followed by a buffed holy shock or holy light handles that job nicely. Because of all the movement on this fight, once again, I prefer the talent into holy prism. Operator Thogar has several abilities, but the one to be really mindful for is Prototype Pulse Grenade. This is a grenade he'll throw out onto a random ranged player quite often. It leaves a blue void zone on the ground causing nature damage to anyone standing in it. At times you'll find two to three out on the tracks, so prepare to heal those tunneled and standing in it. There are five different types of adds. Dealing with the adds and their abilities is the core part of this fight. Just by making sure range are slightly spread and melee is on the adds helps in mitigating some of their damaging abilities. One of those abilities, Delayed Siege Bomb, is cast from the Gunnery Sergeant add. He'll throw bombs out onto the random raid members causing physical damage initially, then exploding 30 seconds later causing fire damage to anyone within 9 yards. If possible, run the bomb to the back since it follows your path of travel, then move away. If so, some land in the raid simply move away from them. So as I mentioned earlier, at some point, the full length trains move into the two center tracks, blocking our line of sight and dropping off a wave of ads. During this split phase, we break the team off into two groups who have to deal with the boss and ads on one side and just ads on the other. During this phase, I find tank damage to be the greatest, but nothing we can't handle. 
I simply keep beacons on myself and the tank on my side. I pop my Avenging Wrath cooldown and spot heal the raid members on my side. With my powerful heals transferring to the tank and myself through beacon, there really is no need to directly heal either one of us. On top of that, I'm mitigating tank damage by use of my two hands of sacrifice. Once the adds are killed, that particular train will move, freeing you from that side. Now during this encounter, there will be times when you have void zones, bombs, and adds all up at the same time causing tons of damage. Saving raid cooldowns like Devo for these times is best suited. All in all, one of my favorite encounters, so with some practice and focus on the mechanics, you'll be sure to get your kill, so good luck. If you're on Twitter, come follow me at FFPMark with a C, or check out my blog page at HealingSpec.com.